Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power, brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Moments, a podcast that celebrates parenthood to the fullest. The smallest victories, the messiest failures, and the bravest decisions. Today, we're talking with a businessman, a Super Bowl champion, and NFL Hall of Famer. You might have seen him greet you and millions of others every morning on Good Morning America or on Fox NFL Sundays. Yes, he is a little bit busy, but he made time for us and he always has time for his kids. He's Tanita, Michael Jr., Isabella, and Sophia's dad, Michael Strahan. Welcome, Michael. You always talk about the humble beginnings that you came from that made you who you are and who you were. Your your father always gave you tough love in the sense that, you know, he was strict and and tough on you, but he also found a way to to show you that he loved you. What are some of the things that you can talk about in terms of your childhood that helped you prepare for your career in football as well as your career after? My dad was just one that you could have an excuse of not being able to do something. I mean, he went to the army at the private out of high school, realized he couldn't really have any control or be a leader or be what he wanted to be or get as far as he, he wanted to get without going to college. So he used his GI Bill and he went to Prairie View University, but he had to get out of the army to do it. He had five kids and me on the way. And my mom was driving the school bus. My mom was sewing patches on ROTC uniforms, whatever they had to do to make the ends meet. And they didn't want to let my dad into the ROTC program because at that point, he, they said he was too old. And by a chance meeting, he got into the program. He met some colonel who recognized, said, I remember watching some fight in France. And my dad was used to be an all-army boxer and the, and the colonel's going, it was the best fight I've ever seen in my life. Describing it, and my dad goes, sir, that was me. Like randomly, this colonel's at Prairie View University because they're trying to recruit more African-Americans into their officers program. And they let my dad in at 30-something year old, 30-something years old because this colonel recommended him. And my dad graduated magna cum laude of that ROTC class and went back into the Army as an officer. So my dad was, you knew he loved you, always loved you, always spent time. And that's why it's the most important thing it was like- Time. 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 And it was a weekend trip and it was a fishing trip or whatever it may be. If he couldn't take his his kids, he wasn't going. And we always had like a VW van back in the 70s. And we ended up having, we graduated. We had a camper. VW and all van. Yeah, yeah. We used to load that sucker up and go fishing. And even when I was 13, 14, 15 years old, and my brothers, they had already skedaddled, you know. They were running around doing what they were doing. But my dad and I used to go to Spain every year. And we'd get in that little RV and he would drive to Spain, just he and I. And then we would 
go fishing for a week. And it's like stuff like that. So, you know, my dad was never short on, on love. As he got older, he let you know it, but he was also never short on, on, you know, discipline. Like you commit to something, you do it. And if you're going to do something, you got to do, like, you got to do it anyway. So why, why go halfway on? You got to do it anyway. So do the best you can. And that's something I try to tell my kids, like, you know, okay, everybody can, you know, go to school. Everybody can, you know, a lot of people can play sports. A lot of people can do business, but why not try to be the best at it? That makes it all worth it. It makes it all worth it. And it also makes it worth it that they have a role model as you did growing up, Mm -hmm. you know, your kids having a role model that's showing them every step of the way of not doing things halfway. I remember conversations that we had, and I'm so thankful that you have been a mentor to me and my questions and my quest to kind of enter into life after sports. Your work ethic has allowed you to go from, I mean, you weren't a top recruit going into college. Say the least. (laughs) (laughs) We're not a top recruit going into college, but to now having your jersey retired with the Giants. I mean, like from where you came from to where you are at, and especially after that, ba- you know, I said after basketball, after football, what do you attribute that to? I always, um, man, what could I attribute that? Obviously, my parents. I mean, the belief that they had in me is amazing. And, and I always say this. I say this all the time. and People probably have heard it or they're sick of hearing it. But my, my, my parents operated, especially my dad, in the world of when, not a world of if. So if always left doubt, like, well, if you do this, son, and if you do that, and I didn't play football growing up, I wasn't recruited out of high school. I, I got to Texas Southern and I only, I only went over to TSU because a teammate of mine from high school was going to college. Then he said, come on over and meet the coach. I go over and meet the coach with him. The coach like, huh, how big are you? Can you run? Oh, I know your uncle. You're good. I never signed a scholarship paper for Texas Southern in four years. I've never signed a scholarship paper. But I was at TSU for four years. But my dad always like, when you go to the States, when you play football, when you get a scholarship, when you go to the pros, he just kept saying when. And I didn't realize it until I was in my 30s that my dad never said if. He never gave me the thought that I should doubt myself or that he doubted me. And when he said when, it was like, huh, ah, it's going to happen. Now, it didn't happen the next day a lot of times, but eventually everything I've ever wanted happened. And I think that's why I do so many things that I'm not afraid to try different things, because if it's something I really want, I know that by hard work and preparation and doing all those things and I can make it happen. And and my life has proven that. So when, not if, I got to say the greatest lesson I've I've learned, just the just being positive and being nice to people and just helping people out. I, I, I don't have time for. Um, you know, negative people. I don't have time for people who are trying to tear other people down. I don't have time for people who don't want to help other people. And, and you know, life is short. There's a lot of room for all of us. And, and I think we're almost, you know, preconditioned to think, well, this is mine. Get off my mountain. I'm, I'm preconditioned to think, even as a football player, David draft, the defensive end, that, hey, if he could take my job, he's just better than me. He ain't going to take it because he ain't better than me. <laughs> Hey, I didn't. I was going to help the young kid because at some point I was going to leave anyway. I wanted them to be successful. 
And, you know, for you, I'm like, I'm so proud of you and, 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 and always love talking to you and, and always loved our conversation because you're so talented in so many other ways. And I think that people think when you're so talented as just an athlete and they see you on the billboards or on TV or on the court or on the field, that, that's enough for you. You've had it. Ah, you got the you got the lucky sprinkles. Stop. But they don't understand as sports, we're so young when we're done that you have a full life to live. And I think we used to have, well, we were kind of conditioned to think that once your career is over, that's it. You kind of either talk about sports, you only you don't do one thing. It's kind of like, that was it. Now we're conditioned to think that you can do other things. And yes. that's why and I know personally, I try all different things because I can. Mm -hmm. And hopefully it makes other athletes or former athletes or somebody who was a banker and wants to go be a musician go, hey, I can make a career switch. He did it. That's the whole purpose at the end of the day. And I think it trickles down into inspiration. Yeah. You know, you talk about the win, but those win turn to wins when you're able to think positive mm -hmm. and, and realize that you are going to go through adversity. It is difficult. It is difficult to do one career. It's difficult to do two. It's difficult to switch. It's difficult to make those decisions. It is important to understand that you are going to make mistakes. You've talked a lot about how the humble beginnings that you've had has allowed you to be able to persevere and to be able to, when people told you you couldn't do something, do that. And then also to adapt. I do want to read um, something that Tom Coughlin said. Oh boy. Oh boy. And I think all of us can be in this position. I have been in this position with a, a coach that I didn't necessarily <laughs> vibe with, but you have yeah. to figure out how to work with them. And I think that's what team sports do is they teach you how to work with people that you don't necessarily always see eye to eye with. Mm -hmm. He said, I know there was discipline there. And as time went on, that one of the main reasons that when Michael did come on board, he came on with both feet. He never talked about it, but there's no question. Michael's upbringing definitely helped him accept the way the program was going to be run. Yeah, I agree. He, the, he ran it like a military man. I came off a military base. Yes, sir. No, sir. Deal with my, with my mom. No, ma'am. You know, that's just how I was raised. And, and he was right. But at the same time, we both had to bend. And we finally got into one kind of little deep conversation that was yeah, probably a little bit, I can't disclose what was said here. Oh, good. It was, it was some choice words. And I finally looked at him and I said, every time I talk to you and I tell you what's going on with this team, you always say, I hear you. So I'm not stupid, just dismissing me. But you're losing this team. Do you hear that? And I walked away from it. And I swear from that moment on, our, our entire relationship changed because we realized we both wanted the same things. We both wanted to win. And he, his way of going about it was different from my way of going about it. But once we kind of both blended, it was a match made in heaven. Judah asked me my first time meeting him. I said, I will never play for this man. And now... I will only play for that guy. You know what really helped me, though? It's going to trip you out. A Coldplay song helped me out. A and they have a song. line in one of their songs that says, you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. And I was like, all right, I want to be part of the solution. And hell, it worked out. Won a Super Bowl. <laughs> it, it, definitely, it definitely worked out. Um, and I think that there's kind of that, 
that bridge with, with me as an athlete, um, I'm dealing now with my daughter and her operating on teams and mm-hmm. what, are, what is the advice that I give her? Because I think there's a lot of parents that run in and are superheroes and they tell their kids exactly. Yeah. The coach doesn't know anything. The coach doesn't know what's going on. You're right. You know, everything you say. And it's like, I don't think that that's the correct way to handle things. So growing up when you would come to your parents with a problem or you would come to your, your dad and mom with something that is happening on another team, what was their response? How did they handle it? How did you learn to handle this? Because honestly, the way in which you handled this understanding with your coach that you guys didn't see eye to eye, you guys wanted the same solution. It's a lot harder than you just described. I'm telling you, it takes like something from the depth of your soul oh, yeah. <laughs> to sometimes reach common ground with somebody that you don't see as. I'm like you with my kids. I was just having a conversation yesterday about volleyball. because They just finished up their volleyball season and I'm at the games and I'm like, okay, so what do you, what do you have to do to get better? And they go practice. I'm like, no, like, what do you need to work on? Is it your leg strength? And, and it's, Isabella's like, I got to learn to snap my wrist, snap my wrist. So I said, well, okay, so how are you going to get better at it? Let's work on that. And I said, you, you have to have the mindset that if you're going to be out there on the volleyball court, that you're the player, the coach never wants to take off the court. That's the player you need to be. And they would come home and go, oh, we lost. And the other team was really good. And I didn't, I said, well, you never can go in and expecting to lose. You always have a chance. You always have a chance. And that's what I try to teach them. Like, well, you got to work on whatever you're going to do. You got to work hard at it. And you got to have the ability that you want to be the best, the, the mentality that you want to be the best at it. And it goes back to your mentality. How, though, because this is the struggle that I've had. I have so much passion. So we're going to do volleyball. We're going to be the best at it. We're going to do basketball. We're going to be the best at it but we are not all on the floor. We're not the ones that are doing it. And so how as a professional, former professional athlete, do you balance figuring out your kid's passion and pushing them, but not necessarily? (laughs) Because listen, Layla picked up the volleyball last weekend and I had to chill because I was so excited that she wanted to pepper with me. I was like, let's go, let's do it. And then she was done. And I was like, so should I push you to do more? You know, what is the balance? Because it's just, you know, it's ingrained in us yeah. to just want to be the best. I cannot help myself. I, if I'm in the car and there's like, I want to be the first at the traffic light. Like, and, and, and I'm sitting here with my driver sometimes when I go to work and there's like no cars in one lane and he gets in the lane with seven cars and I'm just inside. I am just boiling. I'm like, oh, just look at your phone. Look at your phone. Don't look up. Ignore it. Ignore. Like in me, I just can't help myself. And I think with my kids, I, they have to be passionate about it. And I've learned when I go to their games, of course, I'll clap and I'll do that. You know, but I don't yell and scream. And say, you got to do this. I'm like, I don't want to ever be that parent. And I also want them to have fun because at the level of which they're playing now is all about having fun. And once it gets to the point, I think where you push them because you want it more than they do or something that you want and they may want it. But you can scare them away from it. You can make it so that it's more pressure than fun. And once they get to a certain level, then there's more enough pressure involved that will make up for all the pressure they shouldn't feel right now as kids. So I just try to make sure they have fun at it. I try to encourage them. I try to tell them, okay, if you want to do this, then you're going to have to work at that. But I realized from myself, I was a lot, a lot of it was self-motivation that I really wanted it. 
And you can't want something for someone more than they want it for themselves. That'll just frustrate you every day because, you know, I want the best for everybody. And a lot of people just are happy where they are in certain ways. And I can hear um, the late, great Pat Summit say, I will not start your engine. That's what she would always say before every practice. Mm, I, I will not that. start your engine. I, I won't that. start your engine. You know, like I, I will not, I'll be there to help you grow and to help you, you know, get faster and stronger and better basketball, but I will not start your engine. You're responsible for that. I love that. And it's so interesting. I grew up with a father that was extremely demanding. Um, and he treated me like my brothers. Yeah. That was how I grew up. I could do everything that they did. I had the same car rides home after a bad game that they had. You know, we we worked just as hard. There were no limitations. There were no different curfews. It was like my dad wow. and my mom both really did a great job of showing me that I could do whatever I put my mind to. But I will say my dad was very, um, he didn't hand out good jobs you know, as much. And I can remember there have been three games in my entire life that he told me he was proud of me, that I played a good game. Which three? Like, I, got, I, I got to hear which three, because I know you, you see, you probably know the game, the score, what you did, your personal, you know, everything. Listen, so I scored, I scored 22 points. Mm-hmm. I had like six or seven blocks and it was a random game in high school at Dundee Crown tournament. Not my state championships, my neither of my state championship games, neither of my two national championships at Tennessee. There was another game wow. in college that I played when we played against Vanderbilt at home. And he told me, good job. Never forget it. And then this game that we just won yeah. in Chicago, <laughs> um, when we won the championship, he told me he was really proud of me and good job. And it's not that I don't think that he supports me or anything like that. I just know that his expectations are super high and I want it for myself. So how as a, how as a dad, do you find that balance? Because listen, two of us, my oldest brother and myself decided basketball was our passion. My middle brother was like, I'm going to be a doctor. Like y'all can take this. <laughs> y'all can play basketball. And that was his passion. How as a dad, do you navigate that? Because there's some kids that are going to want more yeah. and you got to push them a little bit more. Trust me. I'm, 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 I'm navigating that every single day. How was school? Too much work. How was school? Boring. How, like, it's like, I, it's so many different ways to push them outside of just sports, but in school period. Uh, and my girls, they, you know, they just turned 17. So it, they kind of feel like they know more than me at times, or they think oh, they a thousand percent. something over on me. And I'm like, come on now i've been through this (laughs) come on girls but i think that the challenge for me you know has been i am probably more i'm a lot more encouraging a lot more you know good jobs and i love yous than than i ever got from my dad but i you're supposed to learn you know you learn from what you what where you came from and i knew how i felt when i did get them and i want them to feel that way every day as long as they can remember so I try to be that father. I just try to give them their space, though. I think at 17, I don't want to breathe down their neck. I want to show them that I trust them as well, because I don't want to be a, what they call a helicopter parent. And then yeah. you know, one more year of high school, these two in college. Next thing you know, I got the wild kids in college because they never got to do nothing at home. Oh, yeah, you don't, oh. you don't want those. Yep. Yeah, you don't. You don't I want don't those. want that. So you don't. I am. I'm trying to like make a good balance of okay. Here's your curfew. Be responsible. If you're late, there's penalty penalties for it. 
um, do your best in school and, you know, just try to try to, you know, your life work hard while you're young and you can enjoy life a lot more when you're older. You know, that's kind of how I felt my life worked out. And that's what I used to tell myself when I'm working out and sore and tired and at training camp and got to put on a little shoulder path that is still cold and wet from the sweat the day before and got to go stretch on some cold ground field at 738 in the morning and run into people like it's actually insane. I look back, but I used to say work hard now. It'll pay off later. And it absolutely does. So, you know, it's a good, it's, I, I, I'm an more of an encourager and I will tell you this. So I'm sensitive now. I am so, I don't know if it's age. I don't know what it is. I watch certain movies or if, if I watch at, you know, and it has, it goes back to my dad and goes back to this whole proud thing you're talking about. Because deep down, I realized that I've done everything to make my parents proud. Everything. There's not a trophy that you come to my house. I don't have trophies here, football and all that stuff. I got them. They're in my garage. But all that stuff when I was in college, and the, I used to give it to my parents. I just yeah. always wanted to make them proud. So even watching the movie Babe with the pig. And he go, and then That's the one of my is like, favorite. yeah, and then Babe wins the wins the, the fair, and then it one like basically, what's next? And the farmer goes, yeah. "That'll do, pig. That'll do." <laughs> I'm crying. Oh like, <laughs> he made the farmer proud. The farmer's like, "That's enough." <laughs> and it kind of reminds me of when I retired because I thought about going back, and my dad. I've written a book called Under the Helmet with, with, my, with my guy, Jay Glazer. My dad read the book. and I didn't know he had read the book. We read the book. And at the point there, I talk about how, how, the, like, how tough it was, the injuries, the, the, you know, the, the, when you're hurt and the shots you got to take and sometimes the pills you got to take and everything that it takes to get out there and perform. And as you know, when you're on the court or you're on the field, the, the crowd, they don't care. They don't think about that you're hurt or injured. And when you're out there, you just got to perform. That's You're on the stage now. Injuries don't matter. And I'll never forget my dad read the book. And I told him, Dad, I'm thinking about, you know, that's it. I'm tired. He goes, yeah, you, you did enough, son. It was almost like the babe. And that's why I, I see somebody make someone proud in a sports documentary, in a freaking movie, like a fairy tale movie. And I will literally start to cry. And I realized that. My whole thing was just trying to make mom and pops proud. You're going to make me cry. Man, hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to keep myself gonna, from letting it go right you're now. Gonna make, you're going to make me cry <laughs> because I think that is honestly the, because p- parenting is one of the hardest jobs. Yeah. And I think every single day you ask yourself whether you're doing things the right way. There is no blueprint, especially with every kid that you have, you know, navigating. There's no blueprint. But honestly, at the end of the day, if your kids want to make you proud, if they're respectful and want to make you proud, mm-hmm. I think that that's the biggest gift that Layla could ever give me is if, if yeah. she's a grown person and, and wants to continually make me proud. But it's funny because some days you're like, oh, did I screw that up? Was that too tough? Well, no, maybe, maybe I shouldn't, you know, maybe I should go apologize. I'm like, I guess you got to give the fact that they're a lot tougher than I think they are. Mm-hmm. And a lot uh, more resilient than I think they are, a lot more responsible than I think they are, a lot more independent. And especially here in New York, it's like, oh, dad, we want to go here with our friends. And I'm like, uh, where are you going? 
you know, we want to go here. We want to go there. And I'm like, okay, stay in a group. Make sure you always text me. Let me know where you're at. When I FaceTime a call, you always got to pick up like a, it's kind of like overdoing it. But as they say, when you have kids, your heart lives outside your body. It just walks around and bumps into stuff. And just, yeah, just, just with a phone. <laughs> it's difficult. Like you never knew. I was never pushy. I became pushy when it came to my daughter. Like me, it's like, oh, everything's fine. Don't yeah. need this. No, she needs this. She's got to have this. You know, that's how it operates. How do you think that you were able to shape who your children are and what you want them to be without the struggles and humble beginnings that you came from? Because I think that's my biggest challenge Mm -hmm. with Layla is there are some things you shouldn't have, or I have to say no to, especially with material things. Um, So I think it's finding that balance and especially just having you as a father how are you able to find that balance with your kids? Yeah, that, 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 you, you know, Shaq says something that a lot of people were mad at him for saying, I'm rich. You're not rich. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, why, why are people mad at Shaq? He's telling the truth. He it's earned true. It. It's his. And, and, and that's the thing. He earned it. And there is nothing saying that you're supposed to give your kids this and give your kids that. We all have seen the, the worst horror story that against kids who have everything, yeah. have everything, anything money can buy. And I think half the time problems um, start because you start throwing money behind instead of spending time and being a parent. And that's when you get into issues. So for me, I've let my kids know your, your life is a byproduct of my life. It's true. So you wouldn't live this way if I didn't live this way. And when you're not with me, you don't live this way. Now, you, I will make sure my kids are good. They'll get the best education, all that stuff. But I want them also to understand that they have to find their own way, that they have to do something that's satisfying to them because the best feeling in the world that I ever got was buying something with money that I earned myself. Because, and I still have the first purchase, real big purchase I ever made in my life was my Kuwahara laser light BMX bike from, night, from the 80s. No, no. You, you still have this. 1983. Deal. This is unbelievable. It is in my garage. And I got all that. And I love, I collect cars. I got a lot of cars and it sits in there. And if something happened in that garage, that's the one thing, first thing I grab. Because it symbolizes to me that if you want something, you work for it. Nobody owes you anything. Nothing in the given. And it's just the way it is. And I always approach my life like that. And I, and I, my kids need to have to understand. And I think it's very important for a lot of athletes, especially to understand that your name will get you in the rooms, right? You can call somebody up. Hey, Candace Parker, you know, world champion, you know, I am great. I want to meet you. They'll, they'll, you can get into just any, just about any room you want to get into and it comes to business or anything outside of your, of your profession. But you got to stay in that room. Like you got to show that you're in that room for a reason, because if not, you just become a photo op. They're going to go home and tell their son and their daughter, I met him. Hey, there's a picture of us, you know, hanging out and use your resources. You've got to use your, your, the name that you earned or the position that you're in. If you want to get to some business, go into that room and your name is your currency to get in the room. And once you're in there, Learn, know what you're doing, know your business, know why you're there in the first place and where you want to go and the goals of even having that meeting. And that'll take you a long way. So for my kids, my name is their name. 
and I want to leave my name in good standing and I want them to use me because I'm not going to be here forever. I'm not going to be one of these don't you make it on your own. That sounds good in theory, but I want them to start a little bit ahead of the curve because, you know, as an African-American, we always been starting from the back. Bump us up a little bit to the, to the, to the front of the line, or at least give us some, some more of an advantage than we usually have to get started. And I think that that's been important to me as well, but letting them understand that even from where they start, you're going to have to work to get to the finish. No guarantee. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome to our Capital One Cafe break. Each week, we'll chat with a Capital One parent about their relationship with family and finances. Today, we're talking with Corellis Barrios, Vice President of Commercial Banking at Capital One. What would you say was your biggest fear when you, when you first found out that you were pregnant with your child and balancing your life as it was and how much you knew your life was going to change? You know, nobody ever knows until they're, they're actually a mother. Um, so I had this idea that I was going to work exactly the same way, that my life was going to be the same, that my kids were going to adapt to my schedule, that we'd be, I don't know, jet sitting off to Barcelona if I found a cheap ticket with the kids because yeah, like life was going to be just the same. And then this little person arrives and oh my God, it was like what a tiger must feel like in the wild when they have a child and they will attack 10 hyenas. Like it, that was my feeling. So that was unexpected to me. And that unexpectedness like triggered a whole change in the way I saw the world. Like I became much more worried about like the water quality and the world we're leaving. Like this whole new awareness because now it wasn't about me. It was like this, this person that I had created that came from me out of this like massive love. So now everything just became so fundamentally important. How were you before with working parents? Because I think we've seen a lot within the workplace and changes being made for parents. And there are so many people, especially from Capital One, that I've interviewed that have said that their whole entire thought process of working parents changed when they themselves became one. To be like really authentic, I think I had a lot of unconscious bias about when I heard somebody say like, my kids have a doctor appointment and my kid's sick and I need to work from home. And then these ideas of, you know, are they giving it all they have? And they're not as committed because they've got these activities. And then my kid was sick and I wanted to be the one to take him to the doctor and make sure I was there. And a mom, someone who I really respected, reaching out to me because I must have made a comment and an innocuous one, but those comments when it comes from your superior stick with you about just something like, oh, this is the second ear infection they have or whatever it would have been. So I think the awareness of I want to be part of an environment where if you choose to have a family or whatever your family is, and it doesn't have to be children like you have elderly people you're taking care of sometimes that um, we, we allow for that space. And that's really important. That's part of being like a good community. And those are the type of environments you want to grow in. In terms of that, like in terms of your environment and creating a, a positive work environment, you also in the same time are balancing creating a positive environment at home for your children. I know that the environment that you grew up in is a lot different. You want to develop their, those life skills that you were able to develop. How do you do that without them coming from the same environment that you came from? 
So I, I, I was born in Cuba and uh, my mother was born the year the revolution started. So that's 59. So like the year my mother starts, churches are closed. It's full on like revolution is going on in Cuba. Um, so, you know, I want to call it a modest childhood, but that would, that's just a polite way to say, because when you tell people that you grew up like very poor and poor, like the type of poor that you know what hungry feels like, it makes people uncomfortable. Two years ago, we had an activity just like a Capital One where it was like talking about like who you are, at your core and your childhood. And I thought, well, you know, if there's ever an opportunity to just like be really open about who I am, that was it. And the reason I didn't do it was this idea that not that I would be judged, but like that my parents would be judged because I was really worried that I don't want them to think that my parents didn't want to provide for me. Like I don't want them to to feel that, that, that they were bad parents. And I've really come to the point where I'm just like, okay, like my parents had nothing to do with the fact that I'm poor, but they have everything to do with the fact that I have all these things. So the first thing that I teach my kids is we speak Spanish in my house and there's no other exception because they're going to learn their native language. Um, I show them pictures of where we've come from. So that's also, that's a start. And then I, you know, I point out things when they don't feel right to me. So this is maybe not a big deal. Uh, but to me, it felt like a big deal. Last weekend, we were um, at a restaurant with a group of friends and um, the kids got to sit in like their own table, which they like love. And they spilled the water and the water didn't have a top. And when the waitress came back, um, one of the friends that we were with said like, oh, you know, they're all the same age and you gave them a cup that didn't have a top. And she happened to be a Hispanic woman. I saw my mother who worked, you know, these jobs and worked more than one job. And I thought it was like, extremely rude. I was like, it's not a big deal. It's a water like... Why couldn't you just have asked for a cup with the tops on top for the kids? So I made a comment to my kids afterwards, to my son, like, that was not the nicest way. What's a nicer way to ask? And I think it's really important to people that are in the service industry that are helping us every day, whether they're ringing up your grocery or they're changing your oil, whatever it is, that we are extremely polite to them. Like, um, you know, my, my brother, who I'm nine years older than, said the word dude once, like, and he wasn't trying to be rude, but I was just like, did you call him dude? Because, you know, he's a blue collar worker, like you say, sir and ma'am. Um, so those are things that I reinforce to my children. The best way you have perspective is to see differences. As parents, we know that when it comes to our kids, it's not do as I say, it's do as I do. When it comes to modeling financial literacy, Capital One's got your back. Capital One is introducing the next generation to saving and setting financial goals and building tools and resources for parents to reinforce positive financial habits with your kids. They make it easier for us to raise money-wise kids with their Money Teen Checking Account. It helps kids learn how to manage their own money while giving parents oversight into their journey. Learn more by going to CapitalOne.com forward slash team checking. Hey, welcome back to Moments with Candace Parker. And you're a girl dad. Yeah. Um, I know I, I said before that my parents told me and really showed me I could do and be anything not being limited by being a girl or being African-American or whatever. And then I went out into the world and I realized that that's not the way that everybody thought. Yep. I think you have been a perfect example of not setting limitations for yourself. You look at you and Robin Roberts, you guys came from sports. Yeah. 
And now you are on Good Morning America saying good morning to millions of people every morning. And occasionally you'll talk a little bit about sports on the and, weekends. Yeah, or the and on the show event. a little bit. You know, we talk about you, know, you, you know what I'm saying? About <laughs> you, of course. But as a girl dad, how are you able to navigate those conversations? You know, both serious and not serious. And those serious conversations really shape what they believe they become. So how do you, how do you navigate that? Is that natural? Is it something you bring up? I kind of look at my girls and I look at their opportunities the same as I, I look at mine. I think that um, I'm around so many great examples for them and that they have access to that I don't think that they feel like there's nothing they can't do. I think because they they see it now in the world, you can see you, you can see Robin. And to be honest with you, I was such a fish out of water and, and Robin saved me in a lot of ways. We were at the Oscars and I'm on the red carpet and I was doing live with Kelly at that time. Never been on a re- Oscar red carpet. I'm like, man, I was on a football field a few years ago. What am I doing here on the red carpet? Interviewing people like, and before the stars started coming down the red carpet, I'm so nervous. And I see Robin on the red carpet getting ready to do like the ABC show. And I talk, I see her, I walk over and say, hey, how you doing? Give her a hug. And Robin, I am so, I'm scared to death. Like, I am scared. She goes, you're going to be all right. I said, well, I don't know. And she goes, Michael, trust me, you'll be all right. I came from sports too. Just that very simple, I came from sports too, made me go, oh, I forgot. And if you, that's a heck of a transition that who knows Robin Roberts from sports really now? Nobody. So she made me feel so comfortable before I even joined GMA. This was years before they even considered me joining GMA that it just, she just put me at ease. So now every morning when I sit next to her, I'm like next to the person who puts me at ease doing the job that, that we have to do. So I've been just lucky to end up sitting next to her every morning. And, and I think not playing football growing up until my senior year of high school really helped me because I had no idea what I was going to do. And once I started playing football, I was like, oh, if I work really hard at this, you know, and I tried to quit. My dad was like, oh, what are you going to do? I was like, I'll get a job. He looked at me and said, what are you going to do? And I literally said, nope, I guess dad ain't going to take care of me for the rest of my life. I got to go back to college now. I got to play football. So let me just work to be the best at it. It's like there's certain moments in my life that I remember that completely like were, were, were life changing. When I was 13 and now my brothers and their friends nicknamed me Bob, which meant booty on back and big old butt. I mean, um, you know. <laughs> oh, kids are the best. But when you kids were a 13 are- year old kid. Oh my God, he's a cry like a baby. But I went out and I bought uh, the Jane Fonda workout tape, VHS tape. Uh, yeah, I, I, I took Jane that out upstairs here, actually. And oh, I bought the Herschel Walker workout book. And I would do push ups and sit ups, and then I would do leg lifts from the Jane Fonda tape. And I would do the Jane Fonda tape. And then in the afternoons, when I would watch like Dallas and Dynasty and all that stuff, I would do push ups and sit ups during commercial break like Herschel Walker. And my dad saw me doing this for about six months and decided he, he said, Jim, that committed, I'll work out with you every day. From 13 to 16 and a half, I worked out with my dad in the gym almost every single day. And in the summer, he'd wake me up at 5.30 in the morning, why so early, to go running in the, in the woods with him. 
but he kind of helped me build a work ethic. So I never worked out for football. I worked out to get rid of the big old butt, which in turn turned into football. Because I think which in turn turned into, into everything I mean, else. But I think because I didn't grow up thinking football was my life from seven years old, and this is what I was going to do, that I played football. I was like, okay, this is something that I can do. Why not do it the best that I can for as long as I can? And then after that, huh, let's figure out something else. I've never had that one track mind. And I think that that's really, you know, why I'm able and, and not afraid. Not going to say I'm not afraid. Jesus, I am afraid to do try different things. But I think that I'm not afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. You learn. It's embarrassing sometimes, but you learn. Everything doesn't work. But what works, works. The last topic I want to really discuss is versatility. Because, you know, there's been a lot out there now, especially with kids specializing so early. Mm-hmm. They're specializing in soccer at five. And then that's only, they train all the time for soccer. They're specializing in that. I didn't really start seriously playing basketball until 13, 14 years mm-hmm. old. Um, I played soccer. I played volleyball. I did gymnastics. I you know, wasn't very good at gymnastics, but, um, <laughs> but you tried, I tried, I gymnastics. tried in school. We had to do it. You try these things. And I just am so against specializing at as early as it, of an age as these kids now are, and parents are, you know, all involved. Do you think that just in terms of your versatility now that had a lot to do with your upbringing? I mean, you are literally extremely versatile in what you're doing in business with television with football, with your past football career, what do you attribute that to? Growing up and kind of, like you said, I, the versatility is the most important thing. I hate when parents make their kid do one thing. Oh, you're going to play baseball. So you got the baseball summer camp, you got the hitting camp after that, and you got the spring league, and then you got the winter league. Kids should play, in my opinion, every sport that they want to play. Yeah. And at a certain age, let them filter out what they don't want to play. But I just think doing all those things just make you a well-rounded person, period. I think it just makes you a much more well-rounded athlete. And so when I see parents who get so involved in, I used to do a football camp years ago, and you would have these parents screaming at these little kids. And I used to literally go up to the parents and say, could you please stop? These kids, you're going to make your kid not want to do this because this is supposed to be fun. And they think their kid's going to be the next great football player or the great next great basketball player if they are great but the chances that are happening is a long way to get there are are slim and that's the realistic side of it i have my kids doing as many things as they can because i think outside of just the versatility and athletic skills i think the teamwork i think learning to get along with people um being around people from different you know backgrounds different religions different colors different financial situations that's all important because the world is like that. The world is not all just you. Yeah, but being well-rounded in, in, in sports is definitely important to me. And as far as, and also just being well-rounded in life. And don't think you know it all, no matter how long you've been doing the sport, even as a pro, 15 don't. years in the league. And I was still like, oh man, I, I was excited. And I felt like I still need to learn something every day. And that's why I love playing with OC and Tuck because they were younger than me. and calling me old man and threatening they're going to kick me out the league. And I'm like, okay, you young bucks. Y'all going to make me work hard when you're not looking just to stay in here with you to prove a point. But um, they motivated me. And I learned so much because I was always willing to learn. And whenever you think you know it all, then you probably should get out of that business. 
very interesting because I, I walked into this situation this year. I'm 35 and my rookie on my team is closer to my daughter's age than um, to my age. So I think I hit that. Yeah. Like it was that realization where it's like, Same thing. no, it's, a, it, it's almost over. Like this is this, you, this ride. You is know what? That's over. real though. And I, that's real. Like I'm it in like the locker you. room yeah, and I'm looking you. at a guy who's like 21 and I'm like, I'm 36 at the time. You're 21. Oh my God. Like it goes like this though. And I noticed it when it came to um, like the music and then the guy. That's the thing. The music. Yeah. And you're, and you're just like, I can remember as a rookie, my music and the vets being cringing. Yeah. How Lisa Leslie, how could you listen to that? And now <laughs> I'm the one that's like, yeah, no. And then like, they're doing do all those the dances lyrics? and all that stuff. <laughs> and I'm going, where did that, when did that dance come out? What happened to that? You know, what happened to that? Like, like my moves are old. The music is old. I literally felt like I played in three different eras. I played in fortunate enough to play with like Lawrence Taylor and Phil Sims in that era. Then I played in my era. And then I played with like Eli and Tuck and all the, in their era. And I, I knew it was time, like 36. I wasn't getting the same jokes. I didn't understand a lot of the same language. And some of the you are not, dinner is not at 8 p.m. Yeah. Dinner is not at 8 p.m. Like I, I can't, that's going to mess up my bedtime, my morning routine. I got to take my kid to school in the morning. I can't hang out past 1030. But you, but you know what you, what I always thought though, which really helped me through it. I literally used to say to myself, one day I'll never strap a helmet or put a shoulder pads and put those, I'll never put that uniform on again. It gave me such, so much energy to go to practice every day. Because I'm like, one day I'll never do this again and I'm going to miss it. No matter how tough yeah. it is, no matter how uh, the past, when I think about everything I had to go through to get here, I'm going to miss this one day. Get every bit out of, of it out of this that I can't. So I took in my last year, I went back. I didn't go back worrying about stats or anything. I went back because I said for 14 years, I've literally sat here and felt like a lot of the pressure of everything on this team was on me. By the time I left, I had so much joy in practice. I had so much joy in meetings, the game, the road trips, you name it. It was the most fun I ever had in my life was the last year. And that's exactly what I went back for. And who, lo and behold, we freaking ended up winning the Super Bowl. And you couldn't have asked for any better ending. And I always wonder, maybe if I just would have maybe gone back and had fun a little bit earlier in my career, maybe would have won before. But I like the Cinderella ending that we had. And I was, I remember watching it um, and then waiting because we knew the retirement announcement. We knew it was coming and we knew it was going to be a, a seamless transition. How do you find time? Because I, I joked earlier, I wake up, I see you with football <laughs> on Fox. You are in business, um, you know, a, a number of different things and entities that you're doing with, with business. You wake up and say good morning to millions of people on Good Morning America. How do you find time for you yourself to do what you want to do and plan and carve that out? And then also, how do you find time to make sure that you're spending time with the kids? Yeah, let me let me call my my twin in here. <laughs> That's what it feels like sometimes. I will tell you, I have an amazing group of people who, are, who work with me, and um, they make sure I'm on schedule. And my schedule is pretty like laid out. I think that's the great thing about it. If it were a little more hectic and a little more open, 
I think it would, I would be exhausted. But because I know GMA is at this time, I'm done at that time. My kids are in school at this time. They're out at that time that I can schedule myself in between when I know they're not going to be at home, they're going to be at school. I can go do certain things. I know I can't do anything after until GMA is over in the morning. So I, everything I know on Fridays after I finish GMA, I have to go to LA because on Sunday I have Fox. My only day off is Saturday. And I know on Saturday, I'm pretty much playing golf every Saturday. Like that is just a routine that I have. And it's actually nice. I actually love it. I love being on the plane, going to LA back and forth. Everyone goes, aren't you exhausted? I'll be honest with you. The plane is the only quiet time I actually really get. If I can, um, if I can be home when they get home from school, I just remember how great it felt to have my parents pick me up or be home when I get home. And we always have dinner together every yeah, night. I love that. I love that's that. like the important thing. It's like having dinner together, having that that family, that bond, and that conversation. No phones. Put them down, and and let's talk about what's going on. That's that's the most important thing. At the end of the day, so. Work fits in between them and everything else I want to do fits in between them and work. And I love that. And I understand that you're downplaying what you do, but what you do is unbelievable. And I understand your passion um, for football, your passion for being a parent, passion for, you know, doing things outside of sport has really opened doors for all of us. But so I think everybody I, has it in them. And, and I, I feel like, what I'm doing is just like the start of what you're going to see you do or other athletes do. It's like, this is just a start. I'm just like scratching the surface of, of what um, can be done because I know there are people so much smarter than I am, so much more engaging, so much more well-read, so much more, you know, um, you know, ready. And I've, I've always been someone who has to figure it out. I didn't go to school for this. This is not, what I planned on doing, but I've found myself in situations where I had to figure life out. I had to figure out how to do these jobs that I've been lucky enough to be offered. So I, but I feel like this is just the beginning. That's why I get really excited because I know I don't want to do this forever. I'm not going to do this forever, but who's next? Who's coming? You know, and, and I text you when I'm watching you, you know, do basketball. And I'm texting you when I'm sitting with my buddies and we're watching you, 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 you win a game, um, you know, leading up to the championship. And I'm excited to see you. I'm excited to see the next, you know, young generation. If that's you. Like, mm, hell no. <laughs> Being told I'm old every day. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, the young kids don't <laughs> listen. They don't know what they're talking about. But you know what's going to be great? And you're going to find it's going to happen. And, and, and I remember being when I was a young football player. It's like, oh, you know, you play football? Like, people have to ask you if you play. You're a big guy. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you know, I got my little gold chain out. And then as I got older, a little bit, three years, five years, then it's like you play football and you're like, yeah, you know, what year is this? You know, five years. You feel like you still didn't have that respect until, you know, people started recognizing you and like, yeah. But then I got to the point where people say, you, you're like the football player. You must be a football player or you're that football player. It started to kind of bother me. And it bothers you. It bothered yeah. me. And it was weird because it's kind of like, okay, I wanted it. And now people recognize me for it and it bothered me because I just felt like I was more than just that football player. Now I do love the fact that a lot of people have no idea. I play football. None. And it's always from something that has happened post football, which is amazing to me because it means that the transition 
is not that I set out to have a transition, but it happened. And the same guys who would be hollering at me about the Giants now hollering at me about, you know, interviews or a cooking section session or something that I did on TV. And that's, that's like, that makes me happy. Like it, it really does. It means that being seen in a different light. And now I learned that when you want something bad enough, as we all do, and want this post sports career, when you get what you want, don't complain about it. Don't go, oh, I just, oh, I'm so tired. I don't. Like, this is what I wanted. Tired is football. Now, talking for a living? <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. When you pull up to practice after a loss and you know it's about to be a long oh. practice, that's tired. I started putting businesswoman on my docs. When I sign them, I don't put professional athlete. I put businesswoman on my docs because, like you said, it's not if, it's when. Yeah. And so I, I think I've learned so much from you. I appreciate you being a mentor to me, um, showing that there's balance in life, being a wonderful father. Um, I just, I love it. Thank you so much for today. I really appreciate it. That's it for this season of Moments with Candace Parker. Thank you so much to Michael Strahan and to all of our guests. And a big thank you to all of you for listening to the show. It's been an honor learning with you and learning from you. A special thanks to our team at Wonder Media Network and to our exclusive season sponsor, Capital One. To everyone out there, remember, it's about the moments. So enjoy them, embrace them, learn from them, and love them. Talk to you all soon.